0: Welcome to the party. Today on the Minnesota Football Party, we settle the Jamar Chase versus Justin Jefferson debate once and for all. And where does Adarius Smith rank amongst former Packers turned Vikings? It's all coming up on the free and available Minnesota Football Party. Let's meet the guys this afternoon. Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman of Superior Sports Talk to my right. He salutes the camera. Luke Braun next to him, the host of Locked on Vikings, also a contributor at zonecoverage.com. Luke and Luke by my side today. Plenty to get into on the Minnesota football party. And if you subscribe to Locked on Sports Minnesota, you get access to that show as well as the Ron Johnson show, Superior Sports Talk, and our postcast, Instant Reaction After Every Single Game. Uh, let's address the breaking news, gentlemen, right out of the gate. The Vikings have a punter. Jordan Berry, the veteran who was their punter last year, has been cut, which means that Ryan Wright, the rookie, is the Vikings' new punter, inexplicably wearing the number 66. Luke Inman, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, uh, you know, on a 1 to 10, you know, blazing hot scale, how spicy is this? Maybe a five or a six. I definitely thought that uh, Barry would uh, survive this. And we're also, we're told, and you guys uh, probably heard it as well, that special teams coach told us there was going to be a punt-off in this final preseason game. That's not the case. Um, they go we with the young guy, a little, little bit, uh, what, six foot three, like 250 pounds, maybe got the big booming leg. But um, yeah, all in all, was a little. I was a little shocked to see this one, Sam.
0: Yeah, I, I felt like Barry... Also had a booming leg and maybe a little bit too inconsistent for Daniel's taste. And this is a new coordinator who wants guys that fit his style. And you certainly are getting a better, um, you know, cost effective uh, punter in Ryan, Wright who You have now under team control for a few years. So I get it. It makes sense. But Jordan Berry had some really nice punts last year where he flipped the field, like 60, 65 yard punts. And I haven't seen that capability from Ryan, Wright. Luke Braun. Do you have any hot punter takes?
2: I uh, wouldn't have put my money on this one, but I did put a prediction in zonecoverage.com in a 53-man roster that this would happen. So I'm going to take my lap uh, either way. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought he punted well against the 49ers. I, I, he did have a couple of big boomers against the 49ers um, that that looked pretty good. It's not a money thing, or it probably isn't a money thing. It's he is, Ryan Wright is cheaper by about $200,000. I can't imagine that that kind of nickel and diming is is worth <laughs> easy for you decision. to
0: say two hundred thousand dollars doesn't mean anything just a
2: quick 200k just a quick two months <laughs> Easy, but like that, easy that's money. yeah for an it's it's not much right for like making a decision on who your punter will be but i think what everybody's concerned in is what what's the holding situation there was one little blip in camp that greg joseph has had in his very very good camp Uh, and Ryan Wright was holding for it. So is that going to be a problem? I don't know. It was like two kicks as they probably got a bigger sample than that, but I don't know something to keep your eye on, but I guess they're going with the rookie.
0: All right. So now that that breaking news is out of the way, they've, uh, re-signed Ty Smith. So the roster stands at 80. I want to get in a time machine guys. I want to go back one year. Let's go back to August 25th, 2021 world was a better place. No, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Um, And how'd you feel at that time about this team? What were your concerns? What were you optimistic about? And how
1: do you feel this year compared to how you felt last year? I think last year heading in, hopes were high. Like you're just two years removed from a 10 and five season, won that huge playoff game in New Orleans. Then they go seven and nine the year prior. But by that time there was like this thing people conjured up in their head that every time zimmer had a bad season the team always bounced back strong and made the playoffs the next year and i think people were just like recalling and, and leaning into that because they wanted to believe it i know i did offensively Kirk cousins i think he was coming off a career 35 touchdowns most he's ever thrown still to this day uh irv smith was coming back cook just got his college degree got to remember that that was huge that played a huge factor right and uh mm. jj coming off the huge crazy randy moss type rookie year so it was just like wow what's he gonna do next um bc johnson i don't know if he had gone down yet at this point but he would end up going down so a couple questions with the wide receiver three who's gonna step up uh christian Darisaw. we know got hurt i i remember at that time too it was like We were hopeful he would be ready for week one, which obviously he wasn't. But the big question, I think, was Clint Kubiak with the offense calling the shots. First-time play caller. And I think there was optimism because of the talent on paper, but still a lot of question marks and unknown. And then, you know, just thinking back defensively, you had Daniel coming back. You signed Patrick Peterson and Xavier Woods into the secondary. Mac Alexander's back. Cam Dansler year two. And I think you're thinking like, well, Zim's just going to Zim. And the, and the defense will find a way to bounce back. So all in all, I think it had a lot of promise heading in optimism because of the talent on paper and a lot of people just expected them to bounce back to kind of that 2019 season and make the playoffs again. Those were the expectations. Uh, That was the bar set. Anything less was kind of failure. Obviously that doesn't happen. They lose all those close games last year in the final two minutes Sims fired end of chapter this year. It feels wildly more up in the air as far as like where the bar is supposed to be set because Anytime you, you got a whole new regime coming into town, their first year's kind of a blank canvas, and you just throw a bunch of paint up there to see what looks good. You throw it all up there, see what sticks, what doesn't kind of thing. And I think it feels like it has a bigger ceiling for success than it did under Zimmer, just as like a big picture lens. But I also feel like there's such a, a stark contrast between what the floor could look like this year in year one and what the ceiling could be. Because, you know, you got experts out there picking them to be a Super Bowl sleeper contender one day, Colin Coward. And then you've got ESPN's preseason power rankings yesterday that have them pulled, I think, 23rd. So that's a bottom 10 team in the league. So I think change (laughs) was needed, obviously. And, you know, change means a lot more reason for excitement because of the unknowns and the potential. But on paper, I think it's got all the makings of a a player, uh, excuse me, playoff caliber team. But... I think there's still a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of grace period anytime you start over with a new coaching staff and GM, especially as Vikings fans who just, you know, let's be honest, we've been burned so many times. It's, we've been conditioned to just temper our expectations just by default a little bit. But it's a good question, Sam, because it is crazy to look back just one year ago at this time and see the difference and change and overall vibe from last year to now. Things got very stale there at the end. Uh, Now that we're looking back and even if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think the feeling of a fresh change and more of a new modern approach to the game alone should give fans a lot more optimism and and kind of rejuvenation about where things are going again, even if it doesn't happen right away in year one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like last year, Luke, I was, I was like worried about some offensive things with Clint. I was worried about the offensive line, the left tackle, the right guard and you know some of that came to fruition some of it was alleviated but i feel like i feel like generally the offense was fine it was good it wasn't amazing the defense is where i was actually optimistic last year and they were disastrous Me too. and i feel like this mm-hmm. year is the same kind of vibe where i assume that it's going to be better but i really have no proof for that
2: yeah i really liked that they brought in patrick peterson they brought in dalvin tomlinson i loved those moves and i like that you know mm-hmm. those guys are still in the building i still like those those players um, but I think I underestimated how much, like I thought Bashad Breeland was like solid. He was a catastrophe. I thought Cameron Dantzler had some promising things his rookie year. I looked forward to what he could do year two. He was a big mess. And now like, here we are talking ourselves into Cam Dantzler and Patrick Peterson again. Um, so I think, the, I don't know, the lesson that I have to learn, I guess, is sometimes the arrow is pointing up for guys, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they go up. Because I was pretty bullish on them last year. I thought they would be able to make the playoffs. I thought they would be able to bounce back. Everything that went wrong in 2020 felt so one-off. It was the COVID year. Daniel Hunter was out for the year. All stuff that like wasn't going to repeat itself. And then okay, some of it did. Um, but I also didn't know about the internal strife. I didn't know how much Mike Zimmer was really ruining the culture he had so carefully crafted back in 2014 through 2017. And so that, like, if I knew about that, like, yeah, that'll sync things, right? Um, and Clint Kubiak, I didn't expect him to be good, but he was worse than I expected. He was mm. very bad at sequencing and the play designs and at attacking situations. I mean, his whole playbook died, like, to cover two, like, it was mad and stuff. Um, so hopefully we can be out from that, but this year it does feel like there's this optimism, right? Everybody's loose. It's it's the honeymoon phase with the new coach and all I've been mm-hmm. saying, you know, everybody's saying collaboration and it's all very Kumbaya and we'll see how that lasts when you go, you know, Packers, Eagles, Lions, Saints. And if you're one in three off of that, we'll see how the Kumbaya feels, you know, come <laughs> Halloween. Um, so I, I have been preaching patience, like on Lockdown Vikings, I've been saying, hey, this might not start off real hot. If it does, awesome, but it might not. And that's okay because everybody's learning things and this is a new regime. And we're like, give Kevin O'Connell a chance here. Don't expect him to be, you know, a 5-0 start and then be mad when he isn't. It's going to take a minute. You got young players learning things. Um, you, you're going to have coverage busts. We've already seen some coverage busts. You're going to have more... Um, a a less aggressive version of the Fangio style defense, just because I don't know how much they can trust their corners and you need to be able to trust your corners on an island. If you want to do the real fancy Fangio stuff, I don't know if they can do that. So they might go with the more zone coverage things and better quarterbacks can dice that up. And they got Aaron Rodgers coming down the pipe right away. Um, I don't know. I'm not bullish on them this year, but I also am willing to be patient about that. And if I'm wrong, great. And if I'm right, that's okay. It's a new regime. Give them a minute.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Patrick Peterson and Dalvin Tomlinson. Because there's also Michael Pierce, too, who is like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen Michael Pierce. Yeah, we're going to skip the COVID year. It out. Yeah. And I was, I was so excited about him, too, just being like, okay, we got that Linval Joseph type of presence again, even though maybe not much of a run stuffer as Linval, but maybe you get a little bit more pass rush in there as well. But a, a nose tackle, a dominant presence in the middle, it just does wonders for Zimmer's D on first and second down. Then you get into third and long, draws up the exotic blitzes, et cetera, et cetera. But um, you're right. And then the other thing I'm glad you brought up, there's a legitimate chance that it takes a while for this whole thing to get moving. And when you look at those first four games, they could be one and three easily, two and two, maybe at best. And you're right. Uh, I, I saw you talking with uh, Aaron Henderson on Twitter. It's like he's like, yeah, everything's fun in games and honeymoon stage until you get punched in the mouth. Week one by Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll we'll find out real quick. Just kind of the litmus test right out the gate when you go Packers at home at Philly Monday Night Football, uh, bang, bang. So uh, I- I'm excited to see how it all shakes out, but more so I'm excited to see how kind of long it takes to kind of reach that where that level and point where everybody's comfortable together on the field at the same time.
2: I, I just want to hey, see can we... them better in December than they were in September. Like, if they right, suck exactly. coming out the gate... That is fully understandable everybody's learning new totally. things but totally. if they are still having those problems in December then then it's more of a cause for concern. I just want to see it feel like the arrows going up I, if this is a seven and ten season where they win three in a row at the, at the end of the, the year and ruin their draft position mm-hmm. I actually will really like that because it'll mean all right they've figured something out and maybe they can attack next year and they'll, they'll be in a better mode.
1: Yeah, if, if there recall, was ever a year you're going to go on a little run and win meaningless games right at the end. This is the year. Year one in a new regime with a new head coach for sure. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense.
0: People can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Zimmer only had one winning December, and it was 2017. I think he was either 500 wow. or worse every December. Those teams limped to the, basically every Cousins hmm. team has limped to the finish, including the the 2019 team, which went to the playoffs. They weren't great down the stretch either, losing to Green Bay. Some meaningless games So, Yeah, no, you're right. Some some Week 17s, Week 18s. I get that. But I think the trend would indicate that offenses generally got worse. Cousins got worse. Defenses became a little more uh, flappable down the stretch under Zim. So we'll see if this team can improve as the season goes on, as it goes from Kubiak to Kumbaya, um, from Zimmer to Simmer. <laughs> it's hey, headlines. can we talk about the the all things covered <laughs> podcast yesterday? Justin Jefferson goes on, and I'm kind of tired of the Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson war of words because it's not a war. Like these guys are buddies, they're making headlines, they're you know, shooting verbal arrows at each other saying, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. That's cute. And I'm like sickened by how many times I've actually talked about this topic and seen the different rankings where, oh, Jamar Chase is higher. Justin Jefferson is higher. No, Devontae Adams is, you know, higher than everybody. Can we just settle like the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson debate now? Can we have like an adult discussion about this and admit that Jamar Chase is a great player who's had one year under his belt, and Justin Jefferson's had two, and it's really hard to – declare anything when you're dealing with someone coming off a rookie season. Um, am I crazy to think that Justin Jefferson should be widely considered to be the better receiver at this point? Or is Jamar Chase closer than I think?
1: I, I think, you know, here's here's my take on Chase. Only had the 23rd highest target share in the league, but... What he did with that, he was the most efficient wideout in the NFL when he did touch the ball, 109.4 EPA. So nobody did more with his opportunities last year than Chase. Also averaged 18 yards per catch. I think only Debo Samuel was higher. 18 yards per catch. That's insane. Top five in Yak, 550 yards. So all in all, between the efficiency you get and the explosiveness, extremely safe pick, extremely high floor. On the other hand, when you look at Jefferson and just what he's done, similar rookie season, although Jamar Chase wins the Rookie of the Year, I think Justin Jefferson, a lot of people will admit, I think he got robbed by Justin Herbert there with that Rookie of the Year. But anyways, follows it up with Mm -hmm. a great sophomore campaign, more of a complete well-rounded season His sophomore year, led the league in uh, air yards and targets. And even though Chase was number one player in EPA, JJ was third with 89.7, so it's not like he was that far behind. He's still only 23 years old, and we don't even know how much better he can get. He had the third highest target share in the league last year at at like 29.9, so call it 30%. And even though we talk about KOC is going to give him the ball even more, he is fighting with Thielen, Osborne, Irv Smith coming back, and, and then Dalvin in the whole running game as well. So that's a lot of mouths to feed. I think it's far more than what Chase is surrounded by in Cincy. So I think that 30% target share could drop this year. And even despite all that, I still think he puts up better numbers than Chase. And I think people get into this debate about like speed because JJ didn't run as fast of a time, uh, you know, at the combine or on the stopwatch. So like, I'll give them that. I think Chase maybe wins a foot race, not by much. We know JJ's not slow. We're not calling him slow, but if I'm a quarterback... One thing you just can't teach is the catch radius. You know, for a quarterback, you get that big window to throw into, some more room for error. And then also just how deadly J.J. is at the contested catch rate. He was so good at LSU. And then you saw it actually transition in the NFL as well and coming down with those 50-50 balls. So he's a quarterback's best friend. Too good to pass up. I think J.J. checks more boxes than Chase does. Again, I think Chase has maybe a higher floor, you could argue, but J.J. has the higher ceiling. And if I was drafting a team from scratch today or if I was a quarterback kind of choosing my weapon, my fighter that I wanted to play with, I'm taking J.J. nine out of ten times. I really am. So I think I'm with you, Sam.
2: Yeah. If you look at, like, I mean, this is kind of a fantasy discussion and it's fantasy season.
1: It kind of is. J.J.'s going higher
2: than Jamar Chase, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, Just – if you look at like betting over unders and everything, like everything is projecting Justin Jefferson to have more volume stats. And I think there's a reason for that in terms of like surroundings, in terms of scheme. Um, but I, both these guys are top five receivers. I mean, we're, we're nitpicking here. When you get to that mm-hmm. level, if you're going to try to compare two people that are that good, you have to nitpick. Um, and so if I'm going to find a nitpick for Jamar Chase, it's probably that there were a couple of breakaway plays, probably had a huge impact on like his EPA per play and a lot of his stats that were kind of fluky. There's some tipping stuff. There was some, you know, break a tackle. I think there was one where he was like accidentally not touched down, where he like made a diving mm-hmm. catch and the defense didn't touch him down. He got up and ran like that kind of stuff contributed. It's not like he's secretly not good or anything, but if we're going to nitpick and get to, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going to have to compare these two players, um, I just can't get out of my head. What I've been looking at all camp and what Justin Jefferson has been doing is I don't know. It's just it's hard to imagine a guy being better than that. <laughs> like, I, that's a Homer take. I know, but it, it's, it's, he's looks insane.
1: Um, that's why it's so hard to talk about, you know, you know, yeah. all three, four of us get into these podcasts and record these shows. It's hard to talk about. Cause it just sounds like you're being a Homer. You got the purple glasses on and you're drinking I the probably purple. Yeah. So, I'm not sorry, but but it's like it's just so hard not to get excited, man. I mean, flashes of Randy yeah. Moss statistically, and and you know he's backing it up. And I agree with you on on Chase. A couple of fluky plays there. I remember that Baltimore Raven quick slant or a bubble screen, and the, it's just like the safety took a bad angle, and somebody stopped chasing him, and all of a sudden, boom, he, eighty yards to the house. All yeah, why and they it's call just him like, Chase? All right, that seemed a little that yeah, seemed a little chasing. fluky. And I I will say too, since he's offensive unit completely the same this year. If anything's if if anything, they've improved their offensive line. I know that through free agency, meaning maybe he gets more deep shots. Maybe he gets more chunk plays. Yeah. I think he'll have more targets and catch more balls than he did last year. I think uh, we know he, he crushed the yardage. I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe 1, fifteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 yards, but I think he had 88 catches. I think he catches more balls than he did last year, which is saying something, but uh, you know, all that makes it really hard to bet against him. We'll see how J.J. does again. target share last year under clink kubiak that was wild and now he's supposed to get the ball even more a lot of mouths to feed but i still think he ends up being more productive than chase this year the
2: the the vikings switched coaches to somebody that probably will you do a little bit less of run to set up the pass that was the kubiak Mm -hmm. thing and the Mm mcveigh the o'connell thing is going to be a little more i think pass to set up the pass um Mm And the Bengals went from Zach Taylor to Zach Taylor. I don't think he's going to change a lot from the offensive game plan that got him to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh,
0: advantage Jefferson, yards per out run, overall yards, contested catch rate, first downs, deep receptions, and drop rate. That's a big problem for Chase. He was fifth worst drop rate of full time receivers last year. Uh, advantage Chase, yak, <laughs> depth of target, barely touchdowns, pass a rating when targeted. So that's six out of 10 to Jefferson. But I think the most important factor is 3,000. He has 3,000 yards in two years. And like her cousins keeps going back to this cliche, but it's true. Like the best receivers can just keep duplicating great seasons over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Jefferson's done it twice. Like he's, he's he had a historically good season and then topped himself. And chase can do the same. Like chase can match him. But until we get like five, six seasons under our belt, I think you gotta lean toward the guy who not only is statistically superior, but has a record amount of yards in two seasons. Um, it's a fun argument, and I, 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 just wish there was actually more of a rivalry between them, and not sort of this camaraderie, like chumminess, where well, it's oh hey, uh, let's let's get Pino riled up. Yeah, well, Jeff, how
2: Jeff, crazy! Be a Raven that... in two years, then it'll be. <laughs>
1: Don't you say that Divi- interdivision. Hey, <laughs> h- h- how crazy is it that now sitting back here, what three, four years later, that Joe Burrow was throwing passes to both these guys in college at LSU. Like I know, you know, it, it's been played out. Story's been talked about, but I just still think that's just absolutely insane. Not to mention all the other mm-hmm. players they had, like, Clyde Edwards, a and everything else, but yeah, just absolutely magical and, and, and fun to look back. Here's the question I'm going to pose to you guys got brought up on the superior sports talk show by Reggie today. Which offense would you rather have the Bengals offense or the Vikings offense?
0: Hmm. I mean, the Bengals offense Close. is kind of what you want the Vikings offense to be like the Bengals offense had a lot yeah. of hints of McVay and Rams world. And I think that's what you assume that O'Connell's bringing over, too. And Taylor comes from that tree. And uh, I think the Bengals had uh, extremely high usage of 11 personnel. Um, we'll see if the Vikings kind of emulate that as well. But I think the Bengals also had like a great workhorse back in Joe Mixon. The Vikings have Dalvin Cook. Um, there's a lot. There, there could be a lot of similarities, too. So I think that if you're – you probably take what – you take the Bengals because they're more of a proven concept at this point. And you hope the Vikings can get to that with O'Connell.
2: I think quarterback's the difference. Because, yeah, I mean, they I, all they, got their pieces, right? Yeah. Like Vikings mm-hmm. and Bengals, we each got a superstar from LSU. We each have a good workhorse zone back. Um, you know, we've got our various offensive line problems and stuff. But I think the difference is the Bengals have a quarterback who's a lot less willing to give up on a play. And mm-hmm. I think that is going to, when you've got somebody, when you've got all that star power and Jamar Chase, who we've been talking about, but don't forget, like T. Higgins. And, like, they've got talent over there um and when you have that talent and a quarterback that's willing to maybe try to make something out of nothing sometimes where cousins i mean maybe he could but he doesn't want to that's not how his brain works um then i think you're always going to have a little bit better there's just going to be a key third and 10 somewhere in the season that joe burrow converts that Kirk
1: cousins doesn't and that might be all the difference game of inches no- Completely agree. I think just like you brought up with JJ versus chase, it's like when things are this close and by the way, a lot harder than I thought it would be like, I had to sit there and think about it on air there for a second, but you got to get nitpicky when when things are so close and, ultimately always comes down to the quarterback. And I asked Reggie, well, are you talking about just winning one game or for a season or for the next 10 years? And I think clearly, if you're talking about building a team for the future, you take the extra 10 years that you get with Joe Burrow. uh, And maybe you just take them overall just in one game too. But yeah, having that extra age with Burrow for sure kind of makes it a no brainer, but still kind of a fun little exercise and argument for sure.
2: There's a, an episode of lockdown Vikings coming up. I want to plug, uh, there's an episode of locked on vikings i actually brought somebody from locked on bengals on earlier in this off season and we had this exact conversation it was a fantastic conversation Mm. kirk versus joe burrow it's from like a month or so ago go check it out love it jc treader
0: controversy coming up just a reminder to subscribe (laughs) to locked on sports minnesota on youtube the best thing you can do to help us out is to like this video subscribe to the channel and leave a comment down below uh, it can be funny. It can be insane. You can tell us what you think uh, of the show. It can be serious. Uh, tell us what you think about the Jordan Berry move or the Jamar Chase uh, debate. Whatever you want, comment, like, subscribe on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Minnesota. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And most of you listening love football. Well, the Vikings-Packers line is already available for week one at BetOnline.net. The Packers are favored by one and a half in that game. You can find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, eSports, or golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all sports wagering info You've got live in-game betting resources, scores, podcasts. They have you covered. Bet online. Head there today, or use your uh, mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet online, where the game starts. Um, J.C. Tretter has been the apple of every Vikings fan's eye this off-season, and I think a lot of Vikings fans viewed him as unattainable. Heck, top three pass-blocking center for each of the last four years. The guy's going to make seven million a year. The Vikings can't afford him. Well, we come to find out that J.C. Treader is resigned to retirement. He thinks his career is over. He thinks it's because he is a union leader for the NFLPA. Um, but in the story today at Sports Illustrated, uh, in the story today at Sports Illustrated, J.C. Treader says Minnesota never returned our call. He would have liked to play for the Vikings, Luke. He would have liked to come to Minnesota. And uh, end his career playing for the team he grew up cheering for. He was a Vikings <laughs> fan, and he wanted to play it doesn't here. Make it better
2: it doesn't make his knee healthier. Okay, Luke, <laughs> Luke. If anything that makes a his knees knee worse. issue any association with the Vikings makes your a knee a problem. With a chronic knee I'm issue, sorry. he was first, second,
0: second, and third. In pass blocking. How what's a healthy Garrett Bradbury ranked? Last? I don't last care about ranking? Last. You
2: throwing PFF. I'll roll at the me dice. Economy. <laughs> you roll the dice? <laughs> and he's I'll gonna roll the and dice. Garrett is gonna play. <laughs> this is not a backup I will go, go down to TCO
0: been. myself and I will drain <laughs> his knee of fluid.
2: Okay. You'd go ahead and do that, and Quasi, who was there? <laughs> Who saw all of this doesn't want him. Look, I I don't mind the idea of trying to replace Bradbury. Can we do it with somebody who can walk? <laughs> like I not said he, that his knee's so fine in the article.
0: Don't you take his word for it? Nobody asked him to no. get his knee scoped. No. So, so A Sam says so he's
2: healthy. That's never been alive. Best shape before. of his
0: life. Best shape of his life, Luke. Best shape so, Sam, of his do- life.
1: How much validity do you think goes into, is it the knee thing or is it have some, how much goes into play here? How much stock are you putting into the players union kind of, you know, side story here? Because for all 32 teams to not be Mm -hmm. interested, is that just a coincidence? Does that mean that, you know, his knees really were shot? What's the ratio here that you're putting into both those kind of, you know, reasons why nobody was interested in him?
0: uh i i guess maybe there's something there's more behind the scenes that i don't know i don't know if it has tremendous validity i mean i and granted i don't know all the inner workings this kind of dropped right before our show i don't know if i'm as well researched on it as I should be luke braun do you have more intel per se on why he might be getting blackballed for his nfl pa association
2: i I can't know anything more than has been reported that's out there. And basically all we know right now is what he has said. Um, and we'll see if other statements come out about like, no, we respect the players union. Blah, blah. We might see some politics come out, but you're never going to know what's behind the scenes unless you are behind the scenes and I'm not. Um, but I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to ignore Occam's razor a little bit. Guys had really bad knee. Pro- I mean, this is the same thing that Anthony Barr's been going through. Is Anthony Barr getting blackballed, or like, did the Vikings blackball him? I it, It's really hard for me to ignore that Kwesi has been in the building with J.C. Treder this whole time, watching him not practice, watching how well he has played. He's got all his own algorithms and stuff. I don't think he's leaning on the PFF grades. Um, And didn't see any interest in it. Didn't see enough interest in it. They have been they would sooner consider Chris Reed, who has never played center in a live NFL game than this tells me that this maybe isn't the option. That doesn't mean center isn't an issue. That doesn't mean that trading for someone isn't an issue. There is not, this is not a dichotomy between JC Treader and Garrett Bradbury. There are other options here. Maybe we can get one with some functioning legs. Um, if it is the union, that's so, terrible. So you wouldn't, that's an awful but, thing. But like, wouldn't you, wouldn't do you that, try but to get a I,
0: non-guaranteed, no. like have a, have an incentivized deal he said he only wanted a one-year deal. There is no bad one-year deal in the NFL. They didn't even. Bring they him gave out for one a to Jesse. Da- they gave Jesse Davis millions of dollars for one year. Jesse Davis and Jesse
2: Davis. Exactly. Is bad at football.
1: Yeah. Something's so, up. So maybe something's fishy. This maybe this maybe an anomaly? There's not even willing to do that. Something's fishy. But I don't know. You,
0: but you don't think a guy who's willing and able to play. And has battled through and played through the chronic knee issue successfully. You don't think he can battle through and be a league-average center?
2: Let me ask you this: What did you think about them letting Anthony Barr walk? Because it's the same thing. I thought Barr would have Blake been... Lynch and Troy Die in there. I think right Barr would have been great, uh, for the
0: right price. I think there's a price on, on anyone that you will take a risk on. Now, if Treader, who says in the article he wasn't wanting like market rate, now again that's from his, his words. But well, yeah, we would not
2: want vet minimum. Of there course, some there's
0: price. absolutely a price where I would have taken Barr back and I would have taken Treader because you know what? Barr was pretty good when he was on the field last year. And I know he played three quarters of the season and he missed some time, but I thought he was pretty effective. And I think he can be effective again. I just think that some guys need a little bit of you know management and you go in with your eyes wide open.
2: But why would you not try to upgrade if you could get a bargain on this guy? I will say, I don't know if they're done trying to upgrade or not there's there's still time for them to maybe do something like if they went and traded for Lloyd Cushenberry that's the name I've been doing are we done complaining about this and maybe they just had a different plan here um but people got so obsessed with JC Treader all off season I got super annoyed with it like (laughs) just because he's the name that you've heard of you know Guilty. um there's there's more than one answer here um but also if they do go roll in with garrett bradbury this is now the second entirely separate coaching staff that has done that maybe there's more to him than his pass blocking grade maybe center plays a little bit different than that we probably shouldn't go with one proprietary thing that defines everything about a player even pff says you shouldn't take it as gospel right um either way it is really difficult for me as a vikings fan to say they should have taken a risk on the knees guy we've we've been down that road before i mean it if you want to find an improvement on garrett Bradbury, availability is the best ability right and he very clearly would be if even if his knee is fully healthy it's a huge risk that something else is going to happen it's generative he had the meniscus um tr- the trim the or not the tr- the yeah the, the trim the the one that mm-hmm comes with long-term issues the one that mm-hmm. is he going to be able to practice all week like are we really putting up with this or are we putting ourselves behind the eight ball to get a name we know when there might be a better option than Bradbury that also can stay healthy that's going to be on the trade market or going to be available on cut down day I would rather do a waiver claim than somebody who doesn't have knees so let's go for that
0: Luke Inman do you want to put a ball on this I'm uh my heart rate's still coming down <laughs>
1: No, yeah, a lot of good points. I I just thought it was very interesting that, yeah, all 32 teams, nobody showed interest in this guy. But, um, again, nobody knows. We're not behind the scenes. I have no idea what the knees look like, what everybody's saying, what the workouts look like, things like that. It's just uh, I thought it was surprising. Maybe a a pretty up there 7 out of 10. It surprised me quite a bit, especially to hear that he actually retired now as well. Um, And that kind of puts a bow on everything, so to speak, as well, as far as, like, we can put that to bed. We got our guy bradbury sounds like we i talked to you guys before the show schlopman penciled in as as the backup center in case things go awry there those first few weeks and then maybe chris reed once he bounces back and actually can stay on the field maybe you see him in the rotation as well but maybe that's a conversation for another day but yeah this is who we got we're at that point now what 14 15 days before the season your starters are locked up. I mean, yeah, they'll trim the roster down to fifty-three, but like these starters are set in stone, and and you know what you see is what you're going to get.
0: Uh, how about a four-minute drill, guys? We've got uh, a prompt. We each get one minute to address it. Today will be a three-minute drill. Uh, let's run the graphic. You each get a minute a piece to make a plea for a player of your liking to make the 53-man roster, someone who might not actually make it. I want you to, you know, give me a minute about an underdog who you want to see on this team. Luke Inman, kick us off.
1: Yeah, they'll probably only keep one outside linebacker of these three, McLeod, Valane, Janarius, Robinson. I personally, I would be a little bummed if they did cut Robinson, fourth-round pick last year. After just one season, he got hurt last year. I think we really haven't seen him start to scratch the surface and find any real kind of footing or momentum there yet. Far from perfect. If you recall last week, he got his ankles broke on a little PA rollout bootleg. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I'm not saying, you know, he's perfect or, or he's even ready yet, but. That's one guy I really hope can stick around again. A fourth round pick last year showed a little bit of promise. And then I got to fling out two guys on offense Vidarian Lowe, potential to groom there into a solid backup tackle. And the Vikes need to start thinking about the future. They're going to lose Ole Udo. They don't have a lot of uh, depth there right now as well. So I hope he sticks around. And then Myron Mitchell just feels like that guy's always open every time I look at him. And unfortunately, he's been robbed trying to catch passes from Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. I hope he ends up surviving this last little wide receiver battle for that you know, last one or two spots at that, that position as well.
0: Luke, man, can you go to the penalty box? You can't name three or four guys. Hey, can you Hey, Matt DeBritz, can you mute Luke Stop like that. Tony Realy on around the horn? He's <laughs> muted. Hey, he shame. loses points. Oh, he actually <laughs> did it. He actually muted he actually him. Did it. I love it. I love it. I love uh, that Matt can do that. That's a new thing now. Um Luke had some very power. passionate rebuttal that nobody This heard. is because he's uh, the union so president. I- I'm going to take my time now and talk about Vidarian Lowe and only Vidarian Lowe. I've got some leftover emotions from the J.C. Treader conversation, so I'm a little upset. We're heated. Uh, Vidarian Lowe (laughs) is probably not going to make this team. The numbers don't work out. They've got too many interior guys that are going to need to be on the roster. Brandle and Udo just have sort of the experience, and they'll probably get precedent. But I I would hate to risk losing a prospect like Lowe, who with Udo and Brandle – Unproven and in contract years, you don't have a tackle pipeline set up. And if you look at Lowe's agility, a 1.75 10-yard split, that's a relative athletic score of 9.04, and generally a pretty good 20 and 40-yard splits as well, I wouldn't want to give up on that player right away. So I think you put Lowe on the team, and if you want to jettison Oli Udo, I'm okay with that, and make Brandl and potentially Jesse Davis your emergency tackles, that's fine. But I would rather have four years of low than one year of Udo.
2: Well, oh, nice. Wrap that up. Wordplay. Um. So I'm also going with a, a late round rookie here uh, in Nick Muse. I thought about Kyle Hinton. Um, and I think it's okay if a player needs a year, like if Muse had to stay on the practice squad, which I think is going to be the case. But I think he's shown enough, and the Vikings have a problem in their tight end room right now. I mean, they have a depth problem. We all know it. They've got Johnny Munt. They've got Ben Ellison. That's okay. You got some blocking there, but who is going to be an actual passing weapon in that room? Or are, are our tight ends just big giant tells that we're running now if if Irv Smith can't stay healthy? Um, and I think Nick Muse, he has that speed. He had a little bit of flash. He showed a little bit in that 49er game. And there was one rep that I can't get out of my head against Charles Amenahu that he was just supposed to chip the D end, put the D end right on his end, went out and caught a first down. That's what you want to see. You want to see that kind of effort and that kind of grind. Um, I think that there could be a place for him, especially if Irv Smith's injury is worse than they're letting on. And if he has to start on pop or something like that, unlikely, but if that's the case, then it gets a lot easier. I think he leapfrogged Zach Davidson in that game got that much closer to the roster, um, I kind of thought he would need a year, but maybe he's a little closer than that. I like that. And
0: with Zach Davidson dropping passes and Ben Ellison not doing anything really and Johnny Munt having 10 career catches, why wouldn't there be room for a seventh-round tight end? I mean, I'm not opposed to that. He's got the wrong... He, again, I've got number bias. He looks like a fullback when he catches the ball, number 34. But I kind of like that, Luke Braun. I respect that. I don't respect Luke Inman though right now. He's in timeout. That's everybody's I'll guys. take it. That's all right. I want to rank Packers Turned Vikings and figure out where Zadarius Smith fits into the mix. Before we get into that, care11.com slash locked on, the place you can visit for every link to every locked on show, including Locked On Vikings with Luke Braun, Endless Vikings Talk with local experts, Locked On Sports Minnesota, also at Locked On Podcasts dot com slash minnesota rank them boys um former packers turned vikings and zadarius smith has a chance to become one of the greatest and i don't want to short him Shannon sullivan can be there too he absolutely is he might actually be greater than Favre at this point just for his burn of a reef is he not am well, i wrong he might find this he he probably <laughs> will we're gonna put him in the tweet that promotes it he's gonna search it He's going to share it with all of his friends. (laughs) He's got a lot of followers, and he's going to help this show take off. Um, So the candidates I've got, and let's keep it to five, I would say Farv, Zedarius, Longwell, (laughs) Jennings, and then we've got the (laughs) – and those watching or those listening, I should say, the tweet from Chandon. What camp you been watching, Arif? I got time today legendary not even here to defend himself and he went he went uppercase style like uppercase every word kind of like we do in our youtube videos he gets the bit do we include uh a certain criminal named uh darren in the list i think we i think as a football player we do and we acknowledge that he is a despicable person
1: yeah I, 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 serving multiple life sentences field. in
2: multiple states right
1: yeah, yeah, but besides all that, you know, no, strictly on the field, though, all joking aside, strictly on the field. I think he was putting together a Hall of Fame type of resume. I mean, he really was that good in those, what, eight seasons with the Packers, two all-pro seasons, led the league in interceptions in 2000. Um, I think the way he ended up, the roundabout way he ended up in purple was he was cut in 2005, if I remember right, didn't want to take a pay cut, something like that. Perfect situation for revenge comes along $10 million contract with the Vikes a week later. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it on the field, strictly speaking, like you said, Sam, probably in the mix should be in that top five for sure. But I think I go personally, Brett Favre in another echelon all by himself. Uh, we know what he did in that 09 season. Absolutely magical. All the accolades: twelve and four record, Pro Bowl, NFC title game, first quarterback to defeat every single team in the NFL, career low interceptions, highest passer rating, etc., cetera, etc. I think Zadarius has the potential, though, to be right behind him at number two. Uh, Chandon mm-hmm. Sullivan, glad you mentioned him; he should maybe be in the mix. But Zadarius potential to be number two. We'll see how it all pans out. But Greg Jennings needs to be in that top three discussion as well for me.
0: Jennings was such a big acquisition when they signed him what was it five years 60 and he only played two yeah, of those years yeah, yeah and they were underwhelming yeah, years he you know he averaged about 750 800 yards and I thought he had some good moments but he also didn't have the greatest quarterback play he was catching well when you go from, from yeah Aaron Rodgers
1: and Brett Favre to yeah exactly yep sorry go ahead Sam yeah
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. So I actually have him toward the bottom, like just based on expectations, the bottom of the top five, I should say, he's better than Desmond Bishop and uh, Charles Johnson and Dayton Jones, but I I don't think he's in my top three respect you. If you have him in your top three, I hate to like even compliment the guy, but I think Darren Sharper actually like fulfilled expectations better in Minnesota because he had nine picks his first year, nine picks Mm -hmm. and he had 18 picks in four years. With Minnesota, obviously, you, you you kind of try to put that out of your mind, the whole Sharper era, and those teams weren't great. That was like early childress. So people forget, but nine picks in one season. I mean, that's that is like making your arrival felt in Minnesota that very first year.
1: Yeah, and maybe Ryan Longwell should be in this top five, too, right? I mean, you know, even though he's a kicker, maybe devalued yep. a little bit or watered down. But he he was very productive. And to be able to take him from a division rival, even though they ended up with what Mason Crosby era started then right after Longwell, Longwell made some big kicks and I think he he made mm-hmm. a big kick against the Packers specifically his first year to win the game as, as the, you know, the clock expired. Out of all the honorable mentions, you mentioned a few of them, Dayton Jones, Brandon Bostic, Robert Ferguson, Desmond Bishop. I think Charles Johnson would rank the highest among those guys because even in his little stint with the Teddy era and whatnot, those two, three years, I think he was pretty productive. And at times... Who's our number two, if not number one receiver in those given weeks that, like Greg Jennings or Mike Wallace, were down with injuries? So Charles Johnson, I think, should be flirting inside that top five. Not not in the top three, but somewhere in that top five. Yeah, and we've had I'll him played a Ron first Johnson round show, pick. Yeah, he yes. was he yeah. was
0: BC. He was BC, and Diggs was Jefferson mm-hmm. in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, there you go. And then he got yeah. he got Wally, yep. but, um, Wally picked. But what about Brandon Bostic being number one? Because he delivered one of the great Vikings fans <laughs> moments of all time when he bungled the onside kick in Seattle in the NFC Championship game. And the Vikings it was a Viking before he was a Viking. A thank you. The that Vikings was... were so appreciative. They said, "We'll give you a chance <laughs> to make this team, even though you probably won't."
1: That was on NFL replay or something like three weeks ago, and I watched yeah. that final five, 10 minutes. And that the end of that game is just so wild. So many things had to Amazing. go right for Seattle, and so many things had to yeah. go wrong for the Packers those last seven and a half minutes. Absolutely entertaining to watch the Packers melt down like that. And just another kind of feather in the cap that like Rogers always has these magical seasons, MVP seasons, 13 and three seasons. He's only got that one Super Bowl on his resume. It's just pretty wild to mm-hmm.
2: think. I got Favre one. I got. I actually have Longwell too. I didn't downgrade him for being a kicker. I like um, that. I didn't do like like the super value I respect thing that. here. He yeah. came in. He was clutch. He mm-hmm. actually was kind of a big help to getting Brett Favre acclimated when he got here. And wow. He's been yeah, through it. Point. It was a really weird time for Brett Favre, and Ryan Longwell had the same experience. So that actually kind of mattered to him. Um, and. Next, I actually I'm going to project Zadaria Smith. I feel good about it. I like what I've seen from him so far. I like what I saw at camp. I like that the role that we're going to have him play doesn't necessarily need him to be the the person he was at his peak. Um, he still needs to be very good, but he can rove around. We can get him quality matchups. You know, he doesn't need to be peak Everson Griffin. I'm going up against your Pro Bowl left tackle and getting four sacks. Um, then I have this ex criminal. Um, got a lot of interceptions. His tenure here was oh, yeah. pretty good. Um, and then he went yeah. off, went off to the Saints, and I'm pretty. sure, Did he get an interception in the 2009 championship game? I thought I don't know if I don't did. He, I don't did he definitely he had a really was good year, good on that team. Yeah. yeah up. And then uh, fifth, I have Greg Jennings, who was fine. Like I agree with Sam, he was a little underwhelming. I kind of thought we were getting more when we got him, but. It he was a helpful veteran presence, he was where he was supposed to be. I think that helped Teddy come along his rookie year a little bit. Um, but I like the Charles Johnson ad too, as an honorable mention, because he outplayed his expectations. He was an undrafted nobody, and you didn't even think he'd make the team. And it was like, hey, this guy might actually be
1: someone. Yeah, Greg I Jennings liked rooting for him, he was a fun a story home. to root for. Yeah,
0: yeah, great guy too. Um, Greg Jennings now owns a home off the first hole at Interlaken. And apparently, he just like sits on his back patio, and just like heckles the golfers on the first green. That's great.
1: <laughs> Living the dream, man. Darren Sharper had 11 dream. total tackles, seven solo in that championship game. The uh, two interceptions by the Saints: Tracy Porter, of course, and Jonathan Vilma.
0: My list goes Favre. I am projecting Zedarius number two. Um, I'm a little lower on Longwell, so I've got sharper three, Longwell four. He only had two 90% seasons out of six. Um, His other four seasons, like from a percentage standpoint, were pretty average, and his last season was straight up bad. Was clutch, did make clutch kicks. I'll give him that. Wish he had had a chance to kick a 56-yarder in New Orleans. That would have been great. Um, And then I've got Jennings number five. But I think Zadarius has number two potential. I think he's got to play. What does he need to do to solidify that? Two years of double-digit sacks? Would that do it?
1: Yeah, I think as long as he just stays healthy, he's going to produce. I mean, we saw him against what he did in the joint practices, against the Niners. He was like the fourth most efficient pass rusher when healthy in 2019. We know what he can do. I don't think he's just all of a sudden fallen off a cliff despite this lower back injury and not having played a year. If anything, maybe he's a little bit fresher at this point. As long as he stays healthy, yeah, maybe two seasons, Sam, you're right. I think he can leapfrog guys like Darren Sharper and Ryan Longwell pretty easily. Will he touch that Brett Favre? Maybe nobody ever will, but I think Sedarius, yeah, two good seasons. Even if you play three quarters of those seasons, I'll even let you miss a couple games every season. You play 14, 15 games, he should produce double-digit sacks both seasons.
0: All right, let's play a game and then do party fouls, and then we'll call it a day. Here's the game. Great moments in preseason Vikings finale history. I think I worded that weird. Great moments in preseason finale history. Uh, Here's the concept. I will give you five consecutive clues, offering more information with each clue to the identity of the player. You can ring in by saying your name and making the guess. I have three names and then a tiebreaker. Um, so if one of you doesn't get one and it's like a one, one tie, then I've got a tie break. Do you understand the rules?
1: So we're guessing a player,
0: a player that appeared in a Vikings preseason finale in honor of the Vikings Broncos taking place this Saturday at 8 PM central clue. Number one, he was a Viking special teamer in a game at Buffalo in 2019 Remember, these are preseason that game. He was part of a competition. He averaged 43 yards on two punts. He missed a 37 yard field goal. He was acquired oh, by Minnesota for the fifth round pick. Yeah, that Karvedic, Yeah, ah! That is correct. <laughs>
1: Like I'm surprised you four. didn't get it. Fifth round pick.
0: Yeah. Great value. Great value. Touche. Yeah. When played. you said
2: Kicker. he missed a field goal and he had punts. I was like, Oh, that's car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it
0: has to be. Who else could it be? Yeah. All right. Number two, he rushed for four yards in a preseason finale against Miami in 2017. He passed for 129 yards. It was his last NFL appearance ever. What? I said Mitch Leitner. Correct. It's Mitch Leitner.
1: Wow. Touche. Wow. Well done. Very well Well
0: played. Touche.
2: Go for legend. Mm. Lakeville Mm. South legend. Legend.
1: That's right. Lakeville Lakeville South South. legend. Put your
2: hood up. Go Cougs.
0: I'm sad I didn't get to the number four clue because it was, he was once projected as a first round pick. Famously by Todd
1: McShay. That's right. That would have been good.
2: Was Uh, one of the schools that he went to one of our high schools? Or one of the clues that?
0: It was Minnesota fans were very familiar with him. That was the fifth clue. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Flashed as a kick and punt returner at Tennessee in 2018. Made six tackles and deflected one pass in the game. Was a rookie. Was an undrafted cornerback.
1: Justin Coleman?
0: Incorrect. Very good guess. Very good guess. Mm. Would get a couple suspended years, couple years too late. one year later and never recover.
2: It's the final clue. Three.
0: Get
2: suspended and never two, recover. One. I don't think I have this one.
1: Holton Hill. Oh, what wow. oh, was Holton Hill? Oh, wow. Tennessee boy. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I would argue that he recovered.
0: He came back. He was he, never good. He never got But the suspension didn't have anything to do with that. House. Well, because he mm. sucks. Okay, sub- Subjective clue.
2: Hey, wait, he started he in 2020. What are you talking point. about? He started the yeah, first game in 2020. Dude. He got blitzed by Aaron Rodgers. I, don't, I think he was out of the doghouse. That's okay, true. He's not he, wrong. Okay.
0: okay, you win. It was a fraudulent clue. I apologize. Um, just for fun, the tiebreaker. The leading passer for Minnesota's opponent, the LA Rams, in the 2016
1: preseason finale. Sean Mannion. It was a second. Yes. Very good, Luke. Uh, I was going to say. On again. the board, I got to get one. I had to get one. Mm-hmm.
0: Luke Braun wins two to nothing technically, and Luke gets the bonus tiebreak two to one. We'll Isn't
1: that well, worth so. two? Isn't that bonus worth two? Come on.
0: <laughs> it's like the money ball, you know, three-point count. Yeah, it's the money ball.
1: Yeah. Hey, just, just because uh, we're talking about legendary uh-huh. preseason games, do you guys remember 2014, August 16, TCF Bank Stadium, Cardinals at Vikings. I How remember I remember right Rodney, Rodney Smith. to Smith? Rodney Rodney Smith Smith breakout game. Eighteen seconds left. Before that, they were down. A touchdown. Alan Reisner caught a three yard pass from Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, wow. Jarius Wright catches the two point conversion. Then I don't know who fumbled. Maybe one of you guys can guess this trivia. Zach Bauman had a six yard fumble return touchdown for Arizona. I don't know who fumbled. And then Rodney Smith later, obviously, again, with eight seconds left on the 18 seconds left on the clock. Catches that two yard pass from Teddy. What a game. What a game. Teddy's first real awesome. Oh my god, the comeback kid. Here we go. Oh, uh, I'll never forget it though. Sitting next to a reef, Sam. I'm sure you were there as well, probably. Uh just so fun. So cool.
0: Rodney Smith. Remember the a name from the annals who who
2: should have probably made it yeah. at some point. For sure. Well that because he was competing for a roster spot with Adam Thielen. He had yeah. no shot.
1: Yeah, that's wild.
0: Wow. Um, We got party fouls, gentlemen. If you do, hold on to them, because we've got the animation. Party fouls. Well, mine's obvious. Did you guys hear that the Vikings ignored J.C. Treader's calls? <laughs> That's my party foul. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to get too emotional luke
1: luke brown and, go ahead luke and then. Uh,
0: no. some luke of some kind please
1: hold talk. on i gotta look up okay Put, hold on i'm just looking up the I quarterback that he did this to all right go ahead
2: mine goes to matt daniels who lied to us who led us astray and deceived us he told us he promised us a punt off all right i was excited about a punt off. i was excited to watch them train trade reps i was let's evaluate punts let's dive deep i was going to do a whole locked on vikings episode about it and then they go and they cut jordan berry we were lied to we were deceived we were bamboozled we were led astray how dare
1: you matt daniels
2: ja rule man
1: (laughs) all right i forgot to bring this up last week last preseason game versus the niners fourth quarter i believe Chaserat has this rare chance to absolutely blow up the backup quarterback. Had to be Brock Purdy. Maybe Nate Sudfeld was still in the game. This was and so bad. just a clean hit in the hole. They both meet, both sprinting. He's scrambling up the pocket. They both meet at the same point, right near the line of scrimmage. You're thinking, all right, a linebacker's just absolutely going to knock the wind out of this guy. No, Chaserat not only doesn't take him down to the ground, he gets stood up in the hole and actually gets knocked back a little bit. And at that point, I knew maybe Chaz Surratt is just not meant to be a linebacker in the NFL. That is my party foul. Come on, Chaz. Luke, didn't you – You Luke watched Braun, didn't versus didn't you,
2: King. You, you know, tweeted about that. Know. You're
1: like,
0: Chaz Surratt just stalemated with Brock Purdy. Yeah. I think you pointed that out when it yeah, happened.
2: It was really bad.
0: Yeah, Dude. it
2: reminded me because uh, I'm so sore about that pick because the one of the first things I saw when I was researching him was the exact same thing happening with I think five foot eleven, hundred ninety pound Derek King.
1: Oh my gosh! In Miami, uh,
2: this yeah, is what
0: happens when the quarterback
2: tackles a quarterback.
1: Yeah, right. You, you just don't Adam get Zimmer clean opportunities. The table. You just don't get clean opportunities to hit a quarterback like that out in the open and you know not get flagged or you know get a fine or anything and yeah. he just completely whiffed on it man he just he got stood up Brock Purdy put the hit stick on him it was sad yeah it I think he really put everything sad. he that's had into he it I think that's what's scary about <laughs> <laughs> no he tried yeah yeah that's too bad
0: gentlemen good show today that was a lot of fun Remember, these shows are dropping on Mondays and Thursdays at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, lockdownpodcast.com. YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Luke Braun, daily on Locked On Vikings. Luke Inman, daily on Superior Sports Talk on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long from the Minnesota Football Party today for Luke. Luke, our director, Matt DeBritz. So long and take care.